Welcome to the Self Storage Lab, where we deconstruct how operators are adapting to today's technology-driven landscape and how it might impact your business. It appears that there is a continuous stream of groundbreaking advancements in the realm of artificial intelligence occurring on a weekly basis. At the end of October, the Biden administration released a sweeping order on AI with the goal of promoting the safe, secure, and trustworthy development and use of AI. In today's podcast, we nerd out on the key points of the executive order, the winners and losers of the new guidelines, and dive into how it affects the technology landscape as it relates to the self-storage industry. Enjoy. It's been a wild, wild few weeks, days even, of craziness happening in, uh, in the tech AI space. So I think uh, you know, we should talk about a little bit about uh, what's been going on. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, AI is moving so quickly, but, you know, there's a lot of discussion around regulation and, like, should there be guidelines? Um, I still think it's kind of like a, a wild west of, like, we're, I think we're just, this is the tip of the iceberg as to, like, what's coming down the pipe. And I think it, it gets a lot of people excited, but at the same time, a lot of people are scared of it, um, mainly because we don't really know what's what's coming and, like, what what this can become. And so maybe we start with, you know, uh, I think that the idea of this podcast is kind of, again, talk about the guidelines and regulation of AI, but maybe we kind of like define the problem. Maybe talk about like what's, what's been good and kind of what's been bad or what, what has people kind of concerned, I guess. I think there's, um, a lot of comparisons between two different things right now. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, Oppenheimer, uh, the movie about the, the nuclear bomb, uh, just got launched in the theaters over the summer and was a big hit. And so I think a lot of people are, you know, kind of comparing the AI advancements to what happened in nuclear around that same time, right? Kind of, uh, you, uh, once you, once you cross this threshold, you can't turn back, right? So once you open up the can of worms, it's there, um, which, you know, nuclear, for better or for worse, is extremely highly regulated uh, right now, uh, specifically in the United States, um, and, and, you know, potentially uh, has set us back from an energy perspective in a lot of ways, but that's not here or there. And I think, you know, to kind of set the stage as well from a second comparison, uh, obviously, this is uh, technology that's coming predominantly from, you know, West Coast, United States-based Silicon Valley tech companies, uh, OpenAI, Microsoft, Google, um, Anthropic, Adobe, IBM, et cetera. We'll get into kind of a little bit more of that. But really, the tech industry has never had regulation. It's always been kind of the wild, wild west. And so I think the second comparison that a lot of people are talking about specifically when talking about AI is really... it's social media that's kind of the, the 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 tipping point, but it's really the advent of the mobile phone and how that uh, ultimately impacted, uh, you know, what became social media. And again, the the idea of like, well, once you open up the can of worms, um, you don't really know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and there's actually a podcast that I listened to recently, and it was they quoted or they played a reel from Steve Jobs already going back to Apple here. Um, and basically this was within the first like 30 to 60 days after he was on stage, uh, unveiling the iPhone. And 
they asked him, you know, what does he see the future being? And in a really Steve style way, um, he was humble enough to say, I have no clue, right? I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's kind of where we are with AI. And I think there's a lot of powerful people, entities, uh, players in general in this game that right now are trying to figure out how to just navigate that. Uh, I'll use other terminology probably a little later on in the discussion, but at least right now, I think that's a good, you know, kind of intro of what's happening and why I think it's important. There's a lot of things that are happening right now in this space, um, regardless of the different innovations that are happening over the last 11 to 12 months. I think we're going to have a whole another podcast probably soon to, to kind of talk about what the last 12 months have been uh, in the space, but that's kind of why this is a hot button topic right now. Yeah. I mean, in, it's it's interesting because you know I think there is there have already been a lot of really good and bad examples or I think they're all great examples but of the way that people are using them uh, are, are great great ways and there's some not great ways like for instance like Mason you're talking about uh, social media like I think it's pretty awesome that if we need to post a blog post or we're going to post them on Instagram we can basically just if we can imagine it, we can create it. Like an image can be created from that. And all of a sudden I have this, this beautiful looking image. But I think from there, you know, if, if a bad actor gets a hold of that, you know, they can create something that it doesn't exist. And they're trying to maybe push a certain agenda or even fake something. Um, the state of the technology already is in a point where a lot of people will see a video say of like a politician speaking or maybe a celebrity saying something and to them it looks like it looks real it looks it sounds and looks like um it's really coming from that person and that could be used for good right um like a celebrity could decide hey i'm actually going to use my likeness and i'm gonna you know spread it out to all these different platforms and, and make all these bots and like make my workflow a lot easier um and i think uh, meta Facebook and Instagram, they're already doing something, uh, on, on that side where basically like you can chat with a celebrity. And so like someone might look at that as like, Hey, th this is a good thing. But at the same time, you could make that celebrity say something, you know, that uh, is incorrect or is, uh, something that considered really bad. Um, it can really fool a, a lot of people. You know, I think really, I mean, this technology is so new and we're already at that point where uh, I would say the common person doesn't know what, what to look out for. They, um, they could easily be, be tricked by these things. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, I, I think, you know, there's a, a point to be made early on in this discussion that the can of worms hasn't been opened just yet. Like the things that are on the market today are, you know, they're, they're not the thing that we should be scared of. And, uh, you know, I, I love superhero uh, things. And so I always go to like the Spider-Man quote of with great, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that can be applied to every technology, the wheel fire, like everything back in time. Right. And, and to your point, I think a lot of what is in the news cycle recently around the regulatory actions that are happening, uh, tend to be geared towards, for better or for worse, the concerns, the negative possibilities. And, and, you know, I have notes to talk about this a little later on. I think the concerning piece of that is, you know, if you regulate too much, 
you know, very similar to the nuclear comparison uh, that I kind of had, uh, you know, just a second ago, you actually end up limiting the potential of the greatness right? Um, You already have companies that are using, just to be clear, not large language models, but other different types of machine learning models to try to come up with, you know, new breakthrough drugs. Uh, You've got Google DeepMind trying to predict uh, three-dimensional protein structures. Uh, You know, that's not even getting into the ability to start forecasting, you know, weather predictions or how this might impact our energy grid at some point in time in the future. And so I think it's it's really interesting to level set and say, you know, there are concerns. I mean, if they're if we're talking about this artificial general intelligence that is all knowing, creative, can control things like uh, you know, Elon Musk has in the past said we'll be regulate or, uh, you know, compared, we'll just be cats to these machines, basically. Like, that's scary as a species. And I think it is something that we should be talking about at this pivotal point in time. Because again, if anybody's seen the 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 Oppenheimer movie, uh, very timely in the sense that like there's tons of discussion around, you know, similar, right? Because w- once you drop it, once you showcase it, uh, once you prove that it can be done, um, there's no going back from that. And, you know, that th- there's, there's the potential for that to be good and evil, depending on who is, who's wielding that piece of technology at the time. I think it's important to, take a step back and go, okay, hey, look, we kind of have this problem where we're at this, like, we're right before probably a tipping point where the, you know, I'm going to use that analogy again, the can is going to get opened. Um, I'm assuming that we're, we're going to open the can, like we're, we're, we're too, we're not too deep just yet, but we're, we're, um, we're driven by a, a society that uh, is based on capitalism and, you know, people want to race to get to that. And I think as humans, we were always looking at artificial and general intelligence um, is something that it, because it's, it's almost playing God, right? You, we've created something that is human-like in our image. And so let's take a half step back. There's really three, uh, over the last like 30 days, uh, there's really three uh, things that have happened that are in this regulatory guidance um, bucket. And so the the first one uh, was a letter uh, signed by some of the biggest players um, in the tech industry. And I'm just going to name all three of them, and then we'll kind of go back and kind of go through each one of these. Uh, The second one is an executive order uh, from the United States government. Uh, And then a third is what just recently happened was a global summit on AI, which had uh, the leaders from 28 countries uh, come together in England, uh, actually at a very uh, special and symbolic place. Uh, We'll talk maybe a little bit about that when we get into that here in a second, um, to again, kind of talk about it from a world order perspective. So those are really the three things that are currently happening right now in the regulatory space. And so I think it makes sense probably to, to kind of go maybe chronologically uh, to talk about, you know, what is each one of each one of these. And I think it's important to go, well, why are each, why are the players that are doing the things that they're doing, doing those things. Right. Um, 
So just starting with uh, the letter by the big tech companies, um, I know Rodolfo, you've 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 kind of have some notes on this somewhere around like who signed this, how many people signed it, uh, and exactly like what this letter said. So maybe we start there. Yeah. So some of the big players that volunteered, right? Because this is also you know from the being an executive order, I think the government only has the power to. Uh, to kind of command on the federal level, but they can't really, they don't have any power around the private sector. Uh, but it's cool to see that a lot of the big players like Adobe, IBM, uh, Palantir, NVIDIA, Salesforce, um, obviously Amazon, Anthropic, Google, uh, OpenAI, ScaleAI, and all of them all signed. And the letter is essentially saying, you know, mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war. That's heavy. Extinction? That is pretty heavy. Like, dude, super, super heavy. Like, man, it's like they came out with a, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the only thing the letter said. It's like a super short letter and it's just this like one sentence and they wow. like, it, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Dang. Read that one more time just to hit it home. (laughs) Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war. I've read this like probably 50, 60 times. And every single time I'm like, man, those like each one of these words is like really big, (laughs) you know, seriously. I mean, we just went through a pandemic. We know what, uh, again, such a timely thing with Oppenheimer, the movie having been released. Um, you know, we understand what the impact of a, a nuclear reaction can be. Um, but the thing is, is that they're saying that the, the risk is extinction of the human race due to AI, similar to how societal scale risk from a pandemic or nuclear, an all-out global nuclear war where all these global powers are just dropping nukes everywhere. And so I think that's why it was important to start talking about this. This is the the first in the chain of a couple of things that happened in the last 30 to 45 days uh, specific to, you know, what's happening in the, the AI space right now. It, it's Essentially, interesting. That, the, the, the goal, like you were saying, was to create like a baseline of sorts. Right. Um, where they're essentially trying to limit any one company or just an extremely rich company to build something that could go rogue or in secret. Um, so I think it's, it's critical because it kind of sets that the norm for how to you know, supervise these models at, as they continue to get better and better and more powerful over time um, and, and at least have a transparent an open dialogue with these players and and the government and and the people. So so it's it's interesting because there are some like notable absent companies on this list that did not participate in it, right? And I, I think the most notable one is really Meta. I mean, there 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 was two employees from Meta, neither one of them in like senior leadership, um, that signed this letter, and, and then Apple 
uh, wasn't on this as well, which uh, to me being uh, having followed Apple for a really long time, like it doesn't surprise me that, you know, if they're not the ones like leading some type of an industry initiative, then it's it's not rare for them, but it is. Uh, well, it is rare for them to piggyback on. And so I, I would imagine that in their, in, and Apple hasn't really announced anything. They don't have any products on the market. And, you know, so again, they're like, I've said this internally, like, you know, uh, the, the standard like Apple commentary is, you know, that they don't have anything to announce at this point in time. Like they're not going to pre-announce that they're working on stuff outside of Tim, outside of Tim Cook, like in earnings calls, you know, saying that AI is like really important. They're not, they're not giving any credence to like, <laughs> Hey, this is, this is really what's happening. It's kind of generic stuff. So, or, or they have to figure out how to monetize it, like made for Apple AI, like the made for iPod made for iPhone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's interesting though like you know so that that was the first and like kind of the big three and you kind of like like you kind of started hinting on it it's like well like why are these people doing this right and i think the the second thing that's happened right the the united states executive order um kind of plays into that too like why are these people coming out and being like please uh, again uh, going back like the tech industry has very they really haven't been regulated ever um, in most ways, uh, section 230, I think is like the biggest tech regulation. And that's really around like social media and like freedom of speech and whatnot. Um, and I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but you know, I, I think a lot of the reasons that they're trying to get ahead of this is, and again, a reason why the United States came out with their executive order, which we can get into a little bit more what the executive order, uh, kind of does is, around regulatory capture, because I think it does create a favorable competitive landscape or competitive advantage for the companies that can help influence what regulation is going to happen. So without further ado, I don't know if we want to dive a little deeper into that at all. We can kind of keep touching on that theme throughout the rest of this, but maybe we kind of go into some of the, the, what the executive order itself has done and uh, will do. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, to start off, air quotes, because you can't see me, um, it is the largest direct sweeping actions by presidents to protect Americans of potential risks of AI systems. Again, kind of going back to... That, that's kind of a, that's like some of the quotes that I've heard come out of the, whatever, you know, they're a little, they're a little like fluffy. Yeah, no, I know, right? Like, okay, well, like, there, there's never been uh, any regulatory body in AI, so, like, of course it's the most broad sweep. Like, no, they, Speaking they, of Apple, that sounds I, like Apple. I was literally just about <laughs> to say that. The computer we've ever built. Yeah, well. I was just about to say that. I was like, man, they, they, they got Tim on the phone, and or actually Phil Schiller was like, hey, how do we uh, product market this? <laughs> but you know, I, 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 you know, it's a good reminder, right? I think um, this has been out for a few days, but while we're here, just as a reminder, you know, it's an executive order, so it's it isn't law. You can't make it a law without Congress. It is mostly used to at least kind of put the cornerstones and and, and start influencing. Um, you know, like I said earlier, they have the power to regulate the federal government, government, but they need these companies to volunteer from their end. And so essentially the executive order really focuses on on safety and security mandates, right? But it's also contains 
measures to encourage the development of AI. So it's not all, you know, risk and, 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 you know, aversion, et cetera. It's, it's, you know, also focuses on, you know, what can happen within the United States, which kind of goes into some stuff that I, I, I liked a lot about attracting foreign talent to, you know, American companies and, and labs to, to really dive in into all this. Yeah, I think there are a couple things that I want to hit on too. So like one, this is a very broad and sweeping document. Um, it's more than 100 pages. I read a lot of them. A lot of them are Spanish, which to Rodolfo, Rodolfo he would understand. For, for me, I don't speak Spanish. And so it's really hard to like understand what's going on. Wait, is it literally Spanish? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll like, give wait, it, yeah, you made it. I'll, you made it sound like it. it was, yeah. Just, sorry. Because like, like it's written I mean, in English. It's written in English. Okay. Yeah, like I, can, <laughs> I can see them trying to be, you know, like uh, inclusive. No. <laughs> no. The the thing about that comment, Mason, it's like it, it like again it adopts this like again it's a U.S. government, so it's just like this all government approach, pretty much. It's just yeah, like so. Mo- it's very broad. It's very broad. A hundred pages. It's not very prescriptive. And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't today, it doesn't do much of anything. There's only one very prescriptive item within the entire document. And I'll get to that in a second. But what it really does is set guidelines, set some parameters and ultimately set into motion uh, committees with some money behind them to start to create regulatory bodies, right? And so very much, I think this is the United States government going, listening to these big players in the tech who signed a letter, you know, stating that this is, uh, you know, an event that if we don't get ahead of it, could potentially end in the extinction of the human race, right? And so, you know, this is the United States government going, okay, like, let's start the motion to go out there and do these things. Now, again, there's not much prescriptive in the entire document. The most prescriptive thing is where the Spanish piece of the puzzle kind of comes in. And and again, I apologize for using that example. Um, what it, the only really like hardcore this is what is under these regulations is a statement that says that models that are trained with 10 to the 26th power floating point operations or flops are subject to the rules that will be set out within this executive order I'm going to say that one more time because like, what the heck does this mean? And then we'll, we'll, we'll break that down into like, Hey, does that mean, you know, I can't access chat GPT anymore. And so this is models that are trained with 10 to the 26th power flops or power floating point operations are going to be subject to these rules and guidelines. And, And basically the most prescriptive piece of this puzzle. Okay. So to answer the to answer the question, does ChatGPT fall under this? Uh, you know, OpenAI. Again, we're going to have another podcast around kind of some of the latest stuff that's coming out from all these businesses and companies. But OpenAI just had their developer keynote. Um, no model that's currently on in production 
it meets the meets these standards. So everything is smaller than this. So nothing that is currently on the market needs to go through the process. And, and, and again, this is not very prescriptive of, okay, well, when we have models that do surpass this threshold of 10 to the 26 power flops, um, which is just a freaking huge number for anybody that, that, you know, has never heard of a flop. Um, well, when, when they do publish these models, then companies are going to have to perform safety tests. They're going to have to share their results and they're going to have to share, uh, you know, Rodolfo, you touched on this, basically their red team exercises that they did internally, right? So what tests and what scenarios did they run to ensure that somebody can't utilize this model to, again, mitigate the risk of extinction of the human race? Again, a little, little meta and a little heady in, in that at, at today's point in time, but that's ultimately what we're trying to protect on. Um, it's also really interesting that uh, these are huge models. So another thing that's completely under unrelated to you know, what this executive order did, and we can kind of, we won't get into it too much, is is this is really the only companies that are going to be able to make models that surpass that threshold are going to be huge centralized private uh, or public companies, but huge like singular organisms like a Google or an Apple or a Microsoft or an Amazon. Uh, uh, somebody that's at home is not going to have the compute power in order to to build a model that that is that's this large, you're going to need humongous data centers in order to do that. And so it's really interesting that uh, this really is geared towards there, there's a whole nother side discussion around open versus closed models, right? Again, one of the one of the things one of the companies that was uh, missing from the letter to go back to the first step in this whole thing was meta and meta open sourced their large language AI model. Um, this executive order really doesn't touch on those things, right? And so this open versus closed ecosystem is really a whole nother discussion. We, we're, I'm probably not going to dive completely into that today because it's, it's not like a regulatory thing. It's more, um, it, it's more just a, a theoretical, um, philosophical, how do you build technology moving forward? Do centralized powers or do decentralized people control this? And what's the pros and cons of that whole thing? Um, but that's really what the executive order does. Like we can get into like all the, you know, eight pillars of this thing, but at the end of the day, it's really not prescriptive. It's kind of like, Hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's a commission for this. Here's the, the body of the federal government that's going to be responsible for that. Um, and again, the big piece of this is going, uh, models that are trained. I'm going to say it one last time with 10 to the 26 power flops will be subject to these guidelines where they need to uh, perform safety tests, be transparent in their test, and release the results. This is usually where where we'd go to an ad break, so you can take that in. But since we don't do ads, we'll just uh, we'll keep rolling. 
Yeah, yeah. This is super nerdy. And I promise, like, at the very end of this, like, uh, I do have some points of, like, hey, what, how does this, like, why is a self storage podcast, like, talking about these regulatory things? And, like, what does that mean for operators? So, you know, if, if we don't bore you between now and then, like, there will be, <laughs> there will be some uh, little tidbits to be like, how does this impact businesses in the self storage industry? And why does this matter for operators, et cetera? Yeah, we'll get there. We promise. It, it, it does. It affects. You know, the technology that we put out affects the other vendors and, and, and people. Uh, it just just in general, they're using technology. Because I, I do have a firm belief that this is essentially going to become software. Um, what you define as AI um, will will be everywhere. Um, but to your point real quick before I even touch on that, because I do, I do want to touch on something else that the executive order did mention. Um, but going back real quick to that point, Mason, it's just like, it's interesting in my head. It makes me think like, is it mistake is a, might be a, a strong word. So I just can't think of something better right now, but is it a mistake to, to set these type of like reporting requirements or you just requirements in general and thresholds because, you know, to what you're saying, it, 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 it can stifle some of the, some of the open source projects that in as history has shown have been really good at progressing innovation right it's like the freaking where's my phone i don't even know where my phone is i was going to show the camera like we, we literally have a supercomputer we're on an audio podcast no one would be able to see the camera besides the two of us oh, you're <laughs> right of us anyway. you're right well we do have this recorded somewhere um but either way you have we have a supercomputer in our in our pocket right um, or even sh- shoot, even our watches. Um, so as AI progresses, you know, there's going to be more players, you know, including like the small, uh, small t- teams and, 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 and the garage, a, a hobbyist. I think that's yeah, the, hobbyist. The, like a hobbyist. Right? And so they're going to yeah. run into these thresholds and, and it is going to be, you know, some type of problem. So obviously like defining that the last thing I will say too, it was interesting to me. What I found interesting was that they actually, the executive order did notably define uh, artif- art, well, artificial intelligence uh, found in the, in the U.S. Code 9401 uh, as a machine-based system that can, for a given set of human-defined objectives, make predictions, recommendations, or decisions influencing real or virtual environments. So in the scope of the executive order, it's not limiting it just to generative AI and, and kind of what we're seeing today from OpenAI, Microsoft, and all that. It's actually any machine-based system that just makes predictions, recommendations, decisions, et cetera. So it, it is way uh, uh, more encompassing than one might think. Yeah, so you asked the question of like, is it uh, was it a good idea to like be prescriptive in some of these areas? And, and I want to get to that, but I want to talk just really quickly around... Uh, the third kind of thing that's happening outside of the United States. And then we can kind of get into like, you know, pros, cons of all three of these things collectively, why it's happening, maybe what's missing, et cetera. And so the third thing that has has happened, again, the first two uh, big tech companies, mainly U.S.-based, they might all be U.S.-based, um, sign a letter 
saying we need to mitigate the risk because the possibility of AI coming in and being part of an extinction event for the human race is, is a possibility. Um, you know, if we open this can of worms, it's going to be a big can of worms. And we need to kind of understand that. Uh, the second one was the U.S. government uh, publishing this more than 100 page executive order. And then the third thing. And I think this is part of the timing of the United States executive orders. They wanted to get ahead of this and be global leaders. They want to, uh, again, most of these companies that are ahead in this race today are U.S.-based companies, um, was this global summit on AI. And leaders from 28 countries all across the world met in England at, I'm going to say this so wrong, uh, Bletchley Park. Does anybody have an idea? Man, I'm not going to try to say it again because I'm going to not say it as good the next time. Um, And again, this is a pretty symbolic place. I kind of alluded to talking about this. If anybody, we're going to talk about the second movie, um, The Imitation Game. Um, That all took place at Bletchley Park, basically. Um, So this is where uh, Alan Turing, uh, you know, the term passing the Turing test, um, and his team of code breakers uh, managed to decipher uh, Enigma and basically win World War II uh, by deciphering what the access powers were, were talking about, um, et cetera. So they're, 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 you know, again, symbolic in that all these leaders of countries across the, United, across the world are meeting at this place where, you know, they solved one of the biggest you know code breaking encryption machines ever uh or at least at that to to that time uh and and so i think you take all of this kind of as a the timing reflects a desire by the u.s government to lead in these and and again i kind of talked about this early have some type of a regulatory capture and the I, I just learned that word as I was like really digging into this and basically what that means is that uh, at, if you are part of creating the regulatory body of something you can structure that in a way that is favorable to you and so I think this is the U.S. saying we want to make sure that the the AI companies in the United States are leading the world in AI development and they continue to lead this. And, you know, you touched on a little bit of what the, the EO uh, prescribed around recruitment and keeping talent here and, uh, you know, persuading more talent to come into this. Um, kind of the last piece of what came out of the exec or the global summit uh, on AI, you know, I know that, um, you know, we had representatives from the United States speak, um, et cetera. Uh, but among other things, you know, the European Union will uh, at some point in time, probably, you know, sometime next year, uh, publish their AI Act, the European Union's AI Act. And this is going to be, I, I don't know, the corollary of the executive order and the European union's AI act and like, which one's more powerful and like if it's law or not law, but like basically it's kind of the uh, European union's like uh, stance guidelines, regulatory body that will, you know, monitor ongoing AI uh, and that should take effect sometime next year. And so again, I think this is, um, you know, the U S 
companies coming out and signing a letter, the U.S. government coming out pretty quickly after that, setting some uh, regulatory things uh, ahead of this. And then now the, the this global summit coming out with Europe coming next. Um, and again, a lot of this is around, I think, if you kind of read between the tea leaves, people uh, wanting to make sure that as this regulation comes together, they are manipulating uh, the, the rule set to, to, to be in their favor. And so that, that I just kind of wanted to level set on those three things, kind of dive into those three things a little bit. And then we can kind of dive into like, you know, what's missing. Uh, I'll answer, you know, Rodolfo, your question around the prescription. I think it's probably a little premature for, uh, I think it's a little premature, like why this 10 to the 26 power teraflop thing, whatever. It's just some random line in the sand. I'm sure there's a lot of really smart people that said this is the line that we should draw, but like, I don't think we know enough about it right now. You know, you made another point, Rodolfo, around like our iPhones. I think the better comparison is like, you know, our laptops, right? Uh, Again, going back to my Apple nerdiness really quick, like Apple just launched their, you know, M3 chips. the night before Halloween, uh, you know, the M3 Pro and Max like have crazy amounts of GPU power. Like they, they probably can't run, you know, 750 billion parameter models, but I think they can probably run like, you know, 200 billion parameter models like locally on your computer. So that's like pretty freaking crazy just to think about in general. And that's not even talking about like what NVIDIA chips can do, uh, et cetera. And so I, I think there's, I think it is a good thing that we're thinking about it, talking about it. I think it's a good thing that the United States, um, you know, all three of us are U.S. citizens. Like, I'm going to be pro-America in just about every, you know, aspect of this. I think it's a good thing that the United States is doing whatever they can to be thought leaders and to get out ahead. And if that means, uh, you know, shaping some of the global climate around what this, like, will be in the future, I think that's probably a a good thing for the United States long term. and I, I think at the end of the day, the timing's right for it to be doing it. I think there's some lessons that they learned from uh, social mer- media. I, I kind of touched on that earlier. Um, you know, hyper hyperscale, something that just kind of grew and we didn't really know what was going to happen. Again, I think we're, we're walking a very fine line, though. Um, and we touched on this earlier. It's like, this shouldn't all be fear mongering, right? This is a very exciting technology. It's going to continue to be even more exciting. Um, and the fear that I have is that we don't limit this for the good that it will do, right? The cure for cancer that it might find, um, the you know ability for it to understand how to create new technologies from a battery or an energy perspective that you know help us solve bigger problems that we're trying to solve uh, as a human race. I think that's really um, interesting. And, and so I just think it's important uh, if you are using this technology on a day to day, whether it's just with be chat GPT um, or not, to kind of understand what's happening and be aware of it and like wrapping it up. Um, like, how does this affect operators? You know, I think the biggest under thing for an operator to understand is that changes to the system is coming. And to me, the way that I would think about this or the way that I would tell an operator to be thinking about this is that it's going to be similar to like how GDPR in the EU or California's Consumer Privacy Act regulates how tech companies can utilize uh, personally identifiable information. 
Or, you know, another comparison here in the States is the FCC, um, you know, cracking down on spam SMS messaging and the ability for us to have to, you know, register SMS numbers and follow regulations. And so I, I don't think it's necessarily something that operators on a day-to-day are going to need to understand the ins and outs of everything. It will be important for operators to know what questions to ask, right? So when we talk to operators today, you know, they ask us about uh, PII and GDPR and California's Consumer Privacy Act or, you know, hey, do you take credit cards via PCI compliance, et cetera. And so it's going to be important for an operator to understand what questions to ask from their software vendors, their partners, so that they ultimately can make sure that they're in a position not to risk their business being fined or sued or whatever the 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 regulatory uh, backlash might be for you know not playing within the rules and so uh, that was that's my takeaway from an, how does this uh, come back to self storage and operators i just think it's you know as uh the leading kind of AI company in the self-storage industry, it's important for us to talk about this, to kind of present this knowledge. Um, And and so, you know, if you guys have questions, we're going to be doing a little bit of a deeper dive on some of the new technology that we're excited about, but we wanted to really quickly just touch on some of the regulatory stuff that was going on. I do have actually something I was thinking about whenever, you know, thinking about how it comes back and, and, and this affects self-storage. It's like I think about things as, at least for this, I was thinking about it like breaking it down into groups, essentially. Because um, there's there's different, I guess, groups of people that get affected. You you touched on, on a few. You know, the, the actual customers or users of this technology. Um, obviously, they're, they're the, the customers, the, the end users, but... You know, I think for the most part, this might be a benefit, a positive for them as you know, they'll most likely get more transparency regarding the data that is being used uh, about them and, and hopefully decreases kind of the amount of, of lack of transparency or, or even, you know, with some of these algorithms that there's like news about like discrimination um, with like landlords and all that, like hopefully you, you, we get to see more of that, right? Then there's like kind of like the the laggers of the industry that are folks that are not wanting to maybe operators that are not wanting to use some of this technology. They're just maybe struggling to understand it. Uh, some of the benefits, um, maybe they are part of or, or listen to a lot of the like the the loud minority that gets a lot of the, like the media attention surrounding the the doomsday risks of this type of technology. Um, then there's like kind of like the, you know, the, the forward thinkers, right? Technologists um, that I think we're sort of that, but we're also the other that I'm going to talk to you about. But they're kind of more like, you know, pro technology, uh, kind of the operators like 10 Federal, you know, Copper, um, Stories, right? Um, that they're, they're, they have a grounded approach on how to implement this type of technology to solve the problems that they're encountering today. Well, you know, at the same time, kind of understanding that there, there are still problems and risks that's, that need to be solved, but, you know, we're working on it, 
right? Kind of like, again, going back, I love that, that Steve Jobs says, like, I, I don't know. Um, so it's okay not to have an answer right now, but still kind of use it for the positive. And then lastly, there's obviously the vendors or kind of like what I call the like integrators, um, which to your last point, Mason, I feel like, you know, we, we are part of that. We, we, there is a big, um, we're carrying a, 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 a I think, a, a risk. Uh, there's a burden, right? Because we, we develop and we put this out there for customers and it can eat us, it can either bite us in the app or, you know, put us on a, on a, uh, a pedestal of like being thought leaders. And so, um, there's scrutiny, but at the same time, like, you know, we're also trying to figure out ways to, to make lives, uh, people's lives easier. So that's, that's kind of how I was thinking about it as it relates to self-storage. I don't know if it at all, uh, resonates with you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, again, most of this regulation is going to be regulation for the companies that are building these humongous uh, grounding models. Um, and, and, you know, we sit on top of and utilize those things. And I think it's important for us to to stay aware of it, to understand how that impacts operators and, um, you know, be, be educators uh, for the people that want to understand more. And so... You know, uh, again, I hope we didn't put people to sleep. If we did, you know, use this one, use this uh, episode of the, of the podcast as a, a bedtime story. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, but, but for somebody, if there's anybody out there that's like really interested in this, like, you know, an open line of communication, I, I obviously love geeking out about this stuff and uh, digging in. And so, you know, feel free to reach out and let us know uh, if you want to keep the conversation going.